I said the Lord is good. Now let's declare God's word together as we study the word of God. This is our declaration. Let us begin. One, two, go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, quickly, let's start learning how to pray again today. Uh, Today, I have a kind of topic. I'm switching the topics uh, from what we were on before. And this one... Praying in the time of uh, adversity. Okay, just look for a word like that. I'll find a better one to put on the CD later. But that's just what I want to talk about. I want to take a few examples from the Bible. Quickly open your Bible to the book of uh, Second um, Chronicles. I want to start from chapter 16. Second Chronicles chapter 16 is where we are beginning our study from. How to depend on God. How to depend on the Word of God. On the power of God in the time of our difficulty. The Bible says that all these things were recorded for our learning. All of them were recorded so that we will have hope, so that we will know how to behave, so that we will not make the mistakes that other men made. Now let's read from verse 1. I'm going to read a long portion. So as to save time, I may jump here and there as we go on. All right? That just to save some time. So in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in, in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Now, this was how Asa reacted. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, As between my father and your father, behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, he said, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. Let me just take a break, all right, from reading and explain something. This man was being smart. He was wise in his own eyes. He was devising human methods, okay, to get results so as to deliver him in the time of distress. And distress will come to us once in a while in life. And the reason why God brings distress, or why God allows distress, all right, because he does that, is not so as to destroy us. It is so as to bring out something that is necessary for our spirituality. So as to bring out something that is necessary for our, let me use the word, salvation. It is not because of troubles. Now, I want us to follow this carefully as we are looking at it. Now, Asa had trouble after he had had peace for a long time. And... In the time of his trouble, he decided to go the human way, do very solid calculation. And what I want to bring out is the fact that this his calculation worked. That's why I'm emphasizing this. It worked. We think a lot of times that when we disobey God, all right, things will not work. But that is the sad side. It, oftentimes, it works. And that's why I pray for people that may you not succeed in life when you are disobeying God. Because sometimes you might succeed while disobeying him. And you see it in a moment. So bear that in mind, verse 4. Now then Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa. 
and sent commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered a number of cities, okay? And in verse 5, when Basha heard of it, he seized fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah, and they carried away the stones and, uh, of Ramah and its timber with which Basha had been building. And with them he fortified Giba and Mizpah. Now that's what I was trying to say. You can see that this strategy worked. The enemy came against him. He used a strategy to overcome. It was a human strategy. It was human arrangement. But it worked. But it worked. <laughs> Please bear that in mind. Now listen to what, how God responded. That's in verse 7. So at that time, Hanani, the seer, that's the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. You know, for a while, when I first read this, I was like, did this prophet get his prophetic unction wrong? He didn't have any problem with the, king, the army of the king of Aram. He had a problem with the army of northern kingdom of Israel. That was Basha. And yet you are saying that because I use a human method, that the armies of the king of Aram, has, they have escaped from my hand. Now, Aram is the one that came to help me. But what was the prophet saying? The scheme of God was that Basha would have come against you. He had a league with the king of Aram. And then the armies of Aram would have joined and both of them would have attacked you. I would have used that opportunity to destroy Aram especially. Because God is always merciful towards the northern kingdom of Israel. Okay? He said, the person I wanted to destroy, I wanted to incite Aram into battle. So that you can conquer him and have peace for a very long time. He said, but when he did not respond properly to your challenges, this was what happened. Now let's, let's continue reading. He said, because you relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Then he began with a bit of history. He continued with a bit of history. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim, that's the Libya of today. All right? <laughs> Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He said to him, this is the verdict. You have acted foolishly in this, even though you got the result you desired. You have acted foolishly. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. I'm going to stop reading here. Listen, he got his result. But what your life will experience, what will become the normal challenges in your life after a particular challenge depends on how you reacted to this particular one. This is what I want to emphasize. People often magnify and glorify and idolize results. But the fact that something works does not mean it is right. You cannot judge methods by the result. 
This man got result. He got deliverance. His trouble went away. He had prosperity as a result of it because the Bible says that he went and took all the stones and the timber with which Basha was fortifying against him and he used those things to build up Giba and Mizpah. Are you getting my point? He used it to strengthen his walls. This man got results. But the Lord was watching him. He said, this guy is very, very foolish. He sent a prophet to him. And the prophet said, you have acted foolishly. You have acted foolishly. What should you, should you have done? Yes, the challenges, all right, or the challenge was big. The army was bigger than yours. But there was a time you had a similar challenge. Did I not deliver you at that particular point in time? How did I deliver you or why? It was because you relied on the Lord your God. You know, when I read this a few nights ago, or during the night, or I woke up early in the morning, and a question came to my mind. How did he rely on God that he did not rely now? You will notice something that he did here. And that's why I want us to do something. We're going to read, I have three in mind, the stories we all know, the previous experience of um, Asa, the one of Jehoshaphat, and the one of um, Hezekiah. I want us to look at how they prayed. And wh- where I'm going, which is a school of prayer, where I'm going is for us to see that these men just prayed sincerely, like I said last time. They just prayed sincerely. Their hearts turned to God and said to God, you are our help. From you help we come and from no one else. When they prayed sincerely like that, even though the challenge they had was big, even though the troubles that came against them were heavy troubles, but each time God responded supernaturally and delivered them. And that's what it's about, to teach people how to pray. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not get tired, and not faint, and not lose heart, and not say this prayer is not working. And I've said, I've said it again and again, the reason why I said they ought always to pray is because, oh, and, say, and not get tired, is because the tendency is to get tired. That tells you that the results don't always come as quickly as we would have wanted the results. If the results always came that quickly, he would, we won't be, in, I mean, we won't need to be told to always pray. I say all the time that anytime God commands about something, it means that the opposite is what is natural. He never commands you to do that which will have come to you naturally. When he says rejoice, again I say to you, Rejoice. It means that there will be many days you will wake up and you want to cry. Again, I feel like crying. <laughs> That's what your sister is going to say. You are going to feel despondent. You are going to look at life and say, what is going on here? That was why he gave the word ahead. Rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Don't think I'm kidding about it. I'm not joking about it. When he says, in everything, give thanks. What he's saying simply is, Many times you won't want to give thanks. Many times things will happen, you will forget to give thanks, even though you are happy they happened. This is why these commandments are there. Back to the matter of prayer. So when they say men ought always to pray, he said he told them a parable to the end that they should understand this. Prayer must be constant. Trouble comes, we must take our troubles and pray specifically about them. And no matter how big the troubles are, get my point. We are not allowed at any time to rely on human help. Let me say this again. 
God sends help. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, the other day, my wife and I, I was just, that was about a week ago. I was just chatting with her. We were driving, I was talking. I had some experiences and I realized that, that no matter what, don't rely on human beings. We have this tendency not to rely on human beings because we generally think they are bad people. But I have news for you. Don't rely on human beings even if they are good. <laughs> I don't know what I hear what I said. Don't rely on human beings even if they are good. I'm not saying human beings don't help, but your eyes must always be on God. If he chooses to use people, fine. If he chooses to walk through human beings, fine. Whoever he wants to use, that is his own business to decide and to you know, initiate. But you must never keep your eyes on anybody. I told you, a brother came to me, I've told this story many, many, many times. He came to me once, now, that's to talk about good people, why you can't even rely on good people. He came to me, said, look, he was trying for the British visa many years ago. This is not now. This is at least um, 16 years ago, all right, that this happened. 17 years, not less than 17 years, quite a while ago. He told me that he had gone for interview first time, second time, they had denied him the visa. And if you remember that that time, the visa fees was like a whole month income for those of us young doctors then. Now, why am I telling the story? So one day he met a man that he knew very well, and that man was willing to help him. He said, what the people want is evidence that you have money. So next time you are going, let me know. I will give you money. And the man was ready to give him you know, plenty of money, not small. So they had the agreement, and then he applied for the visa. The day, of the, interview, the day before the interview, he said, okay, let me call the man, or a few days before, let's finish the arrangement. He called the man's office, and the man had died the day before. The man was dead. Now, listen, but that was when he saw me and said, I need to see you. Because he was confused. Human help. God showed it to him that, listen, human help, no matter how willing people are, that one died. That is a problem with human help. That's the point I'm making. That is a problem. We don't even, even if a man... That's what I'm going to emphasize. Promise something every day. Keep on. And one of the things I've learned is, which is what I'm talking about is, how do we rely on God? Because he said, were the Ethiopian, Ethiopians and the Lubim not an immense army, yet because you trusted in the... He said, let me just go there. Verse 7 again. He said, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped. He said, were the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense when not the Ethiopians, sorry, and the Lubim, an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord. How did he do it? I'm, I'm going to get that. We'll go back to it. Just, just a few chapters, all right, back, around in chapter 14, okay? How did he do it? We'll look at it. I want to bring up some, something. The way we show that we're relying on God all the time is with the words of our mouth. And when you're making plans, you don't rigidly hold on to what somebody said or your expectation from, an, from a human being. God sees your heart and he always ensures that he fails. You know, the one we, fin- we finished last week, the series we were on, talking about how to bless our days, I emphasized something about the third commandment. I said that God said, don't take the name of the Lord thy God and place it on the vain thing. That is, don't put your expectation on anybody else but God himself. Long ago, I learned that human beings are unreliable. If you've ever made plans in life, and you factor... Listen, 
Even those who promised. And those that did not promise, that you thought that that issue, you know, maybe <laughs> you're starting a business that you know that your uncle has money and you, you are discussing everything with him. And in your mind, he should know that. He should know. You are sure that he will know. Listen to me today. Don't even assume anybody will know anything. If, in fact, the worst case, this is from personal experience, and that is one is personal and not happening to me, but people around me that we have observed. Man says, okay, I'm going to do this maybe next year. And people start telling you, don't worry, when you are ready, let us know. We'll be behind you. Let me just warn you ahead of time. As they are saying it, wipe it from your brain. Deliberately forget it. If he tells you later, you didn't remind me again, don't feel bad that if I had reminded him, don't worry about it. If God doesn't remind him, forget it. This is a tough one for most human beings. But that's how you live your life. You must learn to pray and start watching for God to open doors. Let God be the one to make connections. You must learn as a Christian to pray. And let God be the one to open doors. Don't ever, as a believer, think you have any advantage because you are connected with any, any human being. That is, in your mind, wipe it. That is, wipe it, wipe it quickly. Just take, you know, when you get back home now, take a scrubbing brush. <laughs> in fact, I think you should really get a comb and a brush and brush your hair away. Say, God, as I'm doing this, it's a sign that I'm clearing my mind of every human being that I trusted in. <laughs> I went to preach somewhere some time ago. One man said, pray for me. Because they said, okay, because there was a program. So me and the guest and the host minister, I was the guest, were praying for people. Call people forward. So one man said, pray for me. I said, what is the problem? He said, I have a problem with people disappointing me. What does he say? It's a spiritual, you know, the way they say it, it's a curse. It's something. I have a spiritual hair. So I said, this one, he called it disappointment syndrome. No, near success is different. Near success, you are, succeed, you are working. And then you won't succeed, then you, something goes wrong. This is called disappointment syndrome. That when people promise, they don't fulfill. So I said, you think it's a spiritual problem? He said, yes. I said, I don't think so. I said, do you know why they disappoint you? He said, why? Well, I said, because they are human beings. They are supposed to disappoint. God said, woe to him that trusts in people. I said, you don't have any problem. There's no, there's no curse. There's no curse in your life. Evil spirit of disappointment is following you. There's nothing like that. <laughs> Human beings are supposed to disappoint. They will promise, they will fail. Sometimes they are good people, they don't want to fail, but they die. Like the story I just told you. I remember one, 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 one brother I knew then, when he died. I mean, it was a shocking, tragic death to us. And he was doing well. God had blessed him. He had some money. And his elder brother, who was like his father to him, was trying to build a house and all of that. And he had promised his brother. That one was like things are high. I said, don't worry. I said I will help you. A few days later, he had a small freak accident and he died. That's what human beings are made of. It's spiritual discipline not to trust them. In my life, I learned, I don't know why I learned it to a large, in fact, in fact, the experience I had recently even improved my learning of it, even though I thought I was very good. Make me promises as you are making it and wiping my brain. I don't even record it. 
hardly do. If you fulfill it, we thank God. That's I don't understand pastors who take pledges. I don't get it. They just put you in high jump. <laughs> you know what they call putting somebody on high jump? There have been churches before. They say, who will give you a million? One man will, will, will come forward. What people, the, the, the man who came to raise money, the one I'm talking about, what he did not know, that the man that came forward has a mental problem. <laughs> Another interesting thing, the, up, the guest minister was happy. Was raising money. God is, if I remember, I'm going to wash your hand in oil. God is going, no, I'm going to dry oil on the floor. You will step on it, I will pray for you. People in the church were looking at him and saying, this guy, your spirit of discernment has gone. <laughs> there were two services. The church had two services. First service, he came forward to give, give a million. Second service, he came to give another million. <laughs> And the prophet was like, my brother, I don't know what you do, but God is going to bless you. <laughs> People in the church were looking and saying, ah, this man who God does I to live with. This is a man who after service, you go and meet some other guy and say, bro, man, man never eats today. I'm going to money back for transport to go home. It's pledging a million. And that man was calculated to say, yes, this fundraising is going good. <laughs> My friend Pastor Corey said he had that experience those early days, when he, those early days of his ministry. Once there's this minister that came to the church, he doesn't do money raising and stuff like that, but then the cause he just encouraged people to give and all of that to support the, the young work. So one man came forward and by himself pledged one huge amount of money. This was a young preacher, young church. So the guest minister and older minister, when they were driving later, he was telling me later now, that that man was not advising him that you see as a young preacher, as a young pastor, when money like that comes, this is how you handle it, you have to be careful. He said he didn't have to tell him, say, oh God, forget that guy. <laughs> forget that man. I know him. He doesn't have anything. That pledge he made, that that is how he behaves. We in the church, we are used to him. <laughs> you, that's the guest, you are the one, but... He said, oh, just tell the man, yes, sir. Okay, thank you, sir. He couldn't tell the man, yes, sir. Forget that money is not coming. <laughs> That's I don't understand. But, I mean, if you know me very well, we will make pledges money-wise. I don't even listen to it. My faith is in God. What I see, I spend. My faith is with the Lord. What I see, I spend. That, listen, that's a practical... When you want to make plans in your life, plan only on what... Now, this is something practical. Just in practical aspect of life. Try and make plans based on what depends on you. And I'm not talking about trusting your own strength. Just don't, don't be making arrangements. Hoping that other people will buy the spirit. That's how you put yourself on that, you know, you're planning a wedding. Say, this man said he will buy my suit. Everybody I know that has promised to buy suit never buys those who buy suit, they don't promise. They just buy the suit. They just come to another boy. How far? Have you made your suit? No, okay. Here is money. Buy suit. But those who tell you, ah, your wedding? Leave the suit for me. Better go and buy it quickly. 
Tell the person, so don't worry, I don't, I'm, I'm wearing a gbada, I don't need to take it. Because if you don't do like that, I'm telling you, you are going to have mental distress. They now start making phone calls. And like I told you, don't, it's not because the people are bad. Many times, the man too desired to help. By the time he was telling you that he would buy the suit, he, was, he knew that his container would have arrived. He would have sold it. He didn't know that custom was going to seize it. So don't be angry. There's this man I know. Every time you speak with him, I'm Mr. Njobu, how are you doing? Ah, there's no problem. Um, Mrs. Temedu said she was going to help. I'm still waiting till now. I've not seen anything. That's how they are. You know that my brother the other day, he said he was going to send money for me to repair that my machine. Till now I haven't seen it. So my factory is not working again. Ah, <laughs> my, my uncle, the moment he became commissioner, he forgot me. That's what's going on in this life. Human beings are like this. You just asked him, how are you doing? <laughs> he has given you four people that have disappointed him. And this is what he does every time. What I'm going to say is this, listen. Don't focus your eyes on anybody so that you will not put yourself in a place where you become angry with them. People do it a lot. I mean, the other time I was praying in another church also. One man came to me, prayed for me. I said, what is the problem? He said, I help. He said, people always disappoint me. I said, what do you mean? He said, when I help them, when it's time for them to help me back, they don't help. Give me some more details. I said, what do you do? He said, I help politicians. <laughs> I said, you help politicians? Is that a job? He said, and then when they get into power, they don't, they don't remember me. I said, they can't remember you. In Jesus' name, they won't remember you. You don't understand. They are not supposed to remember you. One million people are helping them. My baba put moto, moto here. Many of you may have heard it when, they come, when this, uh, the new governor was campaigning. My baba went and went to studio, recorded music, and placed it in this junction here. I went to his office. He said, hey, pastor, you have to be noticed if you are going to get anything. I, I started praying for the governor. That this new governor, as you are coming in, mean, this pressure of human beings not kill you. Because the, every billboard, the youth of these people support you. The elders are on your side. Every, I said, what with the man? How many? Will, will you allow this man to govern at all? That day I told my Baba. I said, you call me pastor. I said, mark my words. You will not get anything. I said, better work hard in this your business. Build it up and stop looking for how to put pressure on a man that's supposed to help the whole state to be helping you. Singing songs everywhere. Charlatans. Their eyes are on human beings. Listen, we Christians, let me say something. Never, ever help anybody hoping that one day the fellow will help you back. Jesus said it's a commandment. Give to those that can't give back to you. Do you know he even said that when you're organizing party, first set of invitees must be those who can organize that kind of party and invite you back. We usually forget that. We tend to invite our circle of friends first. Jesus said that's the wrong order. Go and invite those that will not remember you. 
God doesn't want us to. No, nobody, as a child of God, nobody owes you anything. You must consciously put it in mind that nobody owes me anything. You sweat over your younger ones, pay their school fees, help them. The moment they graduate, wave them bye-bye. Don't expect that, yes, after the four people I've helped, I won't have a problem again in life. You know what? Let me tell you something about God. As a Christian, as a child of God, when you have that mindset, God makes it a point. He dispatches a special angel to go and frustrate that thing. You and those your four younger ones, you will quarrel. And it's God, it's not the devil. So this is my boy, I want to bless him. I can't bless him like this. He helped his cousins, helped his younger ones. He now thinks that they owe him. For goodness sake, who are you to help anybody? You can't help anybody. God only used you to help somebody. I hope you get my point. The help did not start with you. I listened to the person teach. He said, when he said there is no one good but God, it means that any good you see human beings do, it is God that did it through them. So some people tell you that these people they don't believe in God. Look at how they are helping the poor. Because they forget that thing. I am the one that's just using them to help the poor. Okay. But when I heard that message, it helped me. Because some of these Hollywood stars that they, they, out of the there's nothing else they want, they don't know what to do with their lives again. Remember, joining from Somalia to Haiti to Syria, looking for where people are suffering. God said, I'm using their confusion to help people. They don't have the ability to help anybody. There is no one good but God. So if you helped anybody, forget it. You did not help anybody. Did you hear what I said? The person doesn't owe you anything. There are statements that should never come from your mouth. After everything I did for them. You hear what I said? That kind of statement must never come from your mouth. The way I helped this man. Everything I did for him. Look at how he's paying me back. Everything you do, you did for God. And pray that human beings won't pay you back. Because Jesus said when they do, the Heavenly Father doesn't have to. <laughs> so you should take joy when you help somebody. And the fellow forgets, doesn't remember. Say, Father, thank you. I thank you. You were the one that helped that human being. Thank you for the privilege of working with you. You know what this does for you? You are never angry. You will sleep in peace, even in the heat. All of you are laughing. It's been quite hot the last few days. <laughs> no, when your heart is cool, it will cool your skin. I want to make a joke. I told myself I'm going to get a special rechargeable cooling fan for myself. So what about the other people in the family? I said, no, they don't need it. He said, why? Well, I said, because all they do is complain about the heat. They don't wake up. My wife will say, everywhere is hot, she will sleep off. The teacher will say, everywhere is hot, they sleep off. I'm the only one that says, everywhere is hot and I'm awake, I'm pacing up and down. I said, <laughs> maybe I'm angry with some people. Yeah, that must be it. Who offended me? Okay, Mudi. What did you do recently? Are you sure? Must be my wife. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. What am I saying? If your soul is cool, Honestly, it can overcome a lot of external temperature problems. And one way to keep your soul cool, don't let anybody offend you. And one way not to let people offend you is not to have any expectation for people. You know, before, when I'm driving, I used to get angry a lot. I expected the other drivers to behave normally. 
I expect all these commercial drivers. I had an expectation that they should understand that if you're on the right, they should stay on the right, traffic it gently, and beg for space if they want to come to the left. I had that expectation. I expected that no bike man will swerve in front of me and risk dying by jamming my car. I expected that. I expect that everybody will behave normally on the road. Then when you now start going on the road, what do you start seeing? The opposite. So your blood pressure starts going up. You get angry. I've come out before out of my vehicle to kick a vehicle. <laughs> Later on, I was now wondering who's mad now, whether it is me. <laughs> but now things are better. They are not perfect yet, but much better. You know why they are better? No expectations again. When I'm driving, I know that guy is not normal. I don't care whether he's normal or not. I just assume. So when he swerves, I relax. And he says, sorry, oh, some of them will say, sorry, sorry, sorry. I said, if you did not say sorry, what will I do? In my mind, be going. Since that time, my driving temperature has gone down. My car does not even overheat as much as before. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. Listen, no, what happened really, really happened to me? It's so, now, once in a while, I still get angry. But it's so difficult now for a commercial driver to really annoy me. The reason is because I have such a low expectation of his behavior. So when he does it, Jesus said that you are of your father the devil. He lies from it is his nature to tell lies. That's, that's what the devil did to surprise Jesus Christ. When they lie, say, who lies? It's not the devil. What else were you expecting him to do? The men who say, I said, have come to me for me to preach, pray for them. I told both of them. I said, people are supposed to disappoint. There's no need getting angry. This person disappointed me. Don't. There's no need getting angry. Joseph helped a man in prison. It wouldn't have cost that man anything to just say, there was one boy I met in prison. Let us investigate his case. But you know what happened? The man forgot. And his own forgetting was not natural. It was supernatural. An angel went there under the commandment of the Almighty and removed from his brain the memory of Joseph and kept it until it will be needed. Many times people forget you. It's God that said, Thou shalt forget him. Thou shalt forget her. Think, but do not remember. <laughs> and that's what Isaiah said. Hear, but don't understand. He says to them, Think, but don't remember. For that reason, I, Joseph, have no business being angry with that cup beer. You, Joseph, have no business being angry with anybody. It's a matter of fact that the Bible says, and we must repeat it with David, he said, my help comes from the Lord. Read Psalm 121 quickly. Go there. I want to point something out. One of the earliest Psalms, we learned this on 23 when we were children. Now, I want to just read something here. The way we, most of us read it, and the way most translations of the Bible all right, express it is like this. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains or to the hills. From where shall my help come? My Bible puts question, a question mark there. It says, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. All right? Now, that's how most of us read it. I think if you haven't read, if you read the King James, how does King James say it? Who has the King James? Quickly read it for me. I will lift up my eyes unto the, from whence cometh my help. So that is a statement. Is there, is there a question mark there? No. All right. That's the one that we will know more, more commonly. 
I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Now, I read many commentaries, and they said people get that wrong. That actually, what David said is this. That those first two lines are questions. Will I lift up my eyes to the hills? Is that where my help is coming from? David said, no. My help comes from the Lord. The first line, the first verse, he was asking rhetorical questions. He was querying the practice of human beings. And that's why he said, he said later on that as the servant looks to the eyes of the master, as the maiden, the maid looks to the, eye, uh, to the hands of the mistress, he said, so our eyes are upon you, O God. What was David saying? I'm not lifting up my eyes to the hills because my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He now began to describe what God will do. Keep your hand in that psalm and let's go back to where we were. Don't forget what I was saying. That was in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. So the prophet was angry, of course. He was expressing God's, um, God's emotions about the situation. That Asa went and relied on human help. He kept his eyes on the hills. He began to do negotiations. And I said, let's be careful because Asa succeeded. Let me pray a prayer for you again. It's a very important prayer. Be say amen to happen to you. When you are taking your eyes away from the Lord, may you not succeed. Amen. Very important. All those plans that are made with your eyes on human beings, may they fail. Amen. The reason is because it will help you take your eyes back to where it should be. Because if those plans succeed, from that time on, the Bible says you will have wars. That's what I said to Asa. This is your plan. It has worked. He said, for that reason, from now on, you will have wars. Now, I said, I asked the question, how was it that Asa behaved so that God helped him? Let's go back to that 2 Chronicles chapter 14. It's our school of prayer, and that's what we are trying to get people to understand, that they should rely on the Lord. Now, you see, in verse, well, of course, Asa took um, the throne in the early parts of the chapter, that's chapter 14, and then you now see in verse um, 8, that the Bible says, And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, bearing large shields and spears, and 20,000 from Benjamin. That's just about um, 600,000 soldiers. Now, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men. <laughs> Are you guys what I'm saying? He came out with an army of a million men and, and 300 chariots. And he came to Maresha. Now, there's something you will notice here. If you go down to verse 16, now, these were the Ethiopians. I don't know whether this million were all the Ethiopians or the Lubim were added to this million. I suspect they were added because later on, um, when Hanani was going to talk about it, he reminded that they were not only Ethiopians, they were people from Libya also. I don't know how many the Libyans were. But these people gathered against Asa. Verse 10 says, So Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zephatha at Merasha. Now notice verse 11. This was what Asa did, which is a lesson for us as believers. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. 
So help us, O Lord our God. For we trust in you and your name have come. That is, we have come against this multitude. He said, O Lord, you are our God. Let not men prevail against you. Notice verse 12. What did God do? So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gera. And so many Ethiopians fell that they could not recover. For they were shattered before the Lord and before his army. And they carried away very much plunder. They destroyed all the cities around Gera. For the dread of the Lord had fallen on them. And they despoiled all the cities. For there was much, said, for there was much plunder in them. Alright? Then the Bible says at the end of verse 15, Then they returned to Jerusalem. Now if you now see further than I won't read it now, the prophet now came, alright, um, the, the other prophet, Azariah, the son of Oded, and then he prophesied and encouraged Asa further. Now, why am I reading this? For us to see what the Bible calls relying on God. I'm going to explain something as we go on. It doesn't mean that the man did not fight. He didn't stay at home and say, I will not fight. Are you getting my point? Yeah, he pulled out his, 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 um, his army. But his confidence was not in his army. And that's what God is going after. Where's our confidence? And God always tests our confidence based on how we make plans and what we are willing to do so as maybe to get somebody's help or not to offend somebody. I'll explain that as we go on. God, it's so important to the Father that our confidence is always in Him. That's what He did with Gideon. When He wanted to use Gideon to deliver Israel from the Midianites, Gideon raised a very big army. And God said, this army is so big, your confidence is in them. Then he pruned down the army until they were just 300 men. Then they took away their guns (coughs) and everybody hold a torch. And they just started making noise and they won the battle. Now, what was the Lord trying to do with Gideon? He was trying to explain to Gideon, oh boy, your strength is not in your army. Your strength is not in the size of the army that are on your side. Your confidence must all the time be in the Lord. And what was he saying? Like Gideon, if therefore you had an army of a million people, and you have a battle tomorrow, and they reduce to 10,000, don't be afraid. You are not going to win because you had a million people. You are going to win because the Lord is with you. And if the Lord did not follow the people who decided, why should you be afraid? That was the problem with Saul. So I saw people departing from him. And he was so concerned about the people departing that he broke a rule. He offered a sacrifice he was not supposed to sacrifice, uh, offer. Why? He was concerned that the people are departing from him. That is the test. That is the test. That is just the test. Because, okay, where is Saul's confidence? Let us see. Is he in God or in the people? So Saul waited for Samuel. Waited. When Samuel did not come, he said, when I noticed the people were beginning to disperse, ah. he said, no, the people must not go. His confidence was in the volume of human beings with him. And what God wants his children to know is that your confidence must never be in anything you can see. You know why? Because many times God walks through people. And people now tend to put confidence in human beings. So occasionally, God shakes the nations. God shakes the things around you. He shakes your business. He makes people disappear from you. So that you will know who, where is your confidence? 
My wife and I were talking the other day. I said, you know what's happening right now in the nation? I said, it's good. I said, before you know what's happening, you know, if you have a regular income, you've, you've learned how to plan. After a while, your whole life is between planning and your income. Then when the value drops, you'll pray some more. <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> do you get my point? Yeah, that's what the Lord is saying. He just wants us to keep our eyes on him. That if I prosper you plenty, your eyes mustn't go anywhere. No matter how much armies I gather, I gather around you, don't ever forget that victory still belongs to me. What, how did this man pray? And I think it's a prayer. Let's look at the prayer again. It's very important. Now, we are going to read it together because it's a school of prayer. All right? It ends in verse um, 11. It starts from verse... In fact, it's just in verse 11, right? Now, we are going to read the prayer together. All right? Whichever version you are in, don't shout too loud, but let, let me hear your voice. All right? When I say one, two, go, you know where I am. All right? Just look in verse 11. The Bible said, Then Asa called to the Lord his God 